0: Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less
1: shit. Covering all things science, relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who
0: knows, We might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two.
1: (laughs) Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Hi, everyone. Whenever it is you're listening to this, this is the Flex Success Podcast. We are back. And by we, I mean myself and my partner. Hello. Both in crime and in business, I've said before on here in then got really confused. First of all, it's Liz. Hey, Liz. Hi, Dean. And the last time I said that, I think it was Greg Knuckles said, "What crime?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was so confused.
0: I actually, I had to explain it to you. I was like, Dean, because you said crime. He's asking what crimes we commit. You were like, "Oh, huh. yeah, I'm like, this is." I'm not stuff. very creative, Greg. And then we moved on. It was
1: kind of awkward. So <laughs> today, maybe we might come up with a crime.
0: Okay. I think that if we were to commit crimes together, well, I wouldn't want to rob a bank because, like, I'm I'm not that interested in having more money than I need. Um,
1: Because we're so fucking rich. No, that's
0: not what I mean at all.
1: No,
0: no. Oh, God. The crime I would commit, I would probably uh, steal children and animals that aren't being cared for but can't legally actually be taken. That's what I would do. And I would redistribute them to loving homes. That's the crime I would commit with you, Dean. Badass.
1: What do you think? I feel like anything that I say after that may not have the same level of value. And (laughs) oh, no, because I've
0: volunteered with dogs for, I don't know what, three or four years now with rescue dogs. And um, it's really depressing the level of harm that a dog needs to be in to actually have that dog removed from a home. Um, And, I mean, I don't know much about the foster system, but I imagine it's the same with human children as well as canine children. Um, And so that's the crime I would commit thing. Mm. That's what I'm doing.
1: Crime I would commit? What? I would go around the Gold Coast yeah, and I would staple shut all women with um, way too much filler in their lips (laughs) just to teach them a lesson that if you have too much material in there, you are potentially Going to have your lips stapled together. Uh
0: Uh-oh, Dean's coming with a staple of girls. Watch out. You watch out. Anyways, where are we going with this, Dean? Your intro has
1: has dragged. Oh, I was just, uh, we're not going anywhere with the intro other than into the meat and veg, as they say, of this podcast, which is just a bit of a fun Q&A.
0: Yes, so the other day, was it yesterday, uh, Dean and I separately put up question boxes in our Insta stories, ask us anything. So today we are going to answer those questions.
1: Will we answer all of them? I have a lot of...
0: Dean's way more Insta-famous than me, so he got way more questions. So I don't know if you want to answer all of yours.
1: Some of them I don't think I will just because they're a little bit more like personal questions around uh, performance-enhancing drug use, which I don't particularly want to get into on the podcast because it requires a ton of context and it will bore the hell out of most people.
0: Mm, It's also Um, not what we do.
1: Yeah, I'll save that for a podcast that's like for that podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I say it's not what we do... (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean don't. flex success doesn't work with performance enhancing drugs we do nutrition and training coaching so that's what we want to talk to yeah. you about but anyways now most of the questions are actually funny personal questions and some nutrition and training questions thrown in there mm. um so without further ado Dean fire off what's the first question you want my to first
1: question should we name the people
0: I wrote mine down and I didn't put down who asked them All so right. you can if you want to uh
1: this one is from James mm-hmm. i will just say James James you funny boy you're not a man till you've had a man. Thoughts? <laughs> the thing I like about a question, a question box on Instagram too is you have limited characters. Yeah. Sometimes people have to be very to the point.
0: Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on that, Dean?
1: You're not a man until you've had a man. What are my thoughts? I don't think it requires in order for you to be a man. I mean, how do we define a man? That is a good question, Dean. What makes a man a man? I've had
0: a man. Does that mean that I am a man? Mm. James,
1: or have you been I feel one, like this is
0: a sexist question. One with mm. Um. Actually, on this note, uh, I consider myself <laughs> straight, but have been known to kiss the odd female. I mean, I've been with Dean for nearly eight years now, so obviously not for that long. It's not something I do frequently. But anyways, I, I can kiss a girl and still consider myself straight. Um, Dean, however, goes out, gets drunk, makes out with one of his guy friends. Maybe James is he straight? Like, I don't know. Like I, I totally accept that there's like a bias here in that he's sexist and it doesn't really make much sense, but isn't that weird that if a guy makes out with a guy just for fun, we question his sexuality, mm. but I can make out with a girl for fun and still be straight.
1: Mm. My question back to James would be, what does one mean by having a man? Does that mean you have to be a taketh or a receiveth? <laughs> I don't know. Next question. <laughs> Uh, who's next (laughs) um let me choose one um besides doing what you two currently do if you had your time again what would you and they ran out of characters okay (laughs) Do. do i'm assuming what would you do, Liz? What would you do? You I think that again?
0: question was to you, not to me.
1: No, this is, it says besides doing what you two currently do. Okay, so
0: do we have to choose something that we would do together? Is it? No. Just okay.
1: if you had your time again, what would you
0: I do? have always been interested in flipping homes. I just think because I, I consider myself creative and resourceful and I feel like I could do a lot with a little flipping home. Mm. Um, also, I have always had a keen interest in plants. Not that I'm any good at them. I kill like every herb I bring into the house. But maybe horticulture. Is something that I would consider. Hmm. Hmm. That's what I would do. What about you, Dean?
1: I think it would be uh, a lie of me not to say that I don't have a fascination with the human body regardless. Yeah. So I would take great interest in doing something around either the research of anatomy Uh so that I have to dissect bodies. Okay. Or I actually have always wanted to do forensic science. Okay, but I'm colorblind. Oh yeah, you're red brown colorblind too. Yeah, so if there's blood in that scene, I don't know. Could be pe- it could be poo, it could be blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you kind of need to be able to differentiate. And
0: dried blood is kind of brown. So yeah, I used to true. watch
1: exclusively forensic science based shows, discoveries, as a kid. Weird, I know. Most what are we people talking bones. Most people watch no, that's not a sh- that's that's a TV show.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm talking documentary. Oh, style. like
0: proper science documentary. Yeah, like okay. the
1: Discovery Channel on um on uh what's the old one? Foxtel.
0: Yeah. Oh
1: Foxtel. Yeah. What I classic. didn't watch cartoons, I watched forensic science. Did you?
0: Yeah. I was busy watching Rugrats.
1: I did watch that too. <laughs> Good um, show.
0: We should get through these faster if we want to get through more. Yeah. But yeah, forensic science. Okay.
1: Yeah, but then I I uh, realized as I was a teenager that it wasn't gonna be possible.
0: Sorry, Dean, shut down by your disabled eyes. One from me. Oh, one from me. Biggest fear. I remember who that was. That was Joel. Hi, Joel. Where is my, it Joel? No, it's definitely Joel. could be Joel. Yeah. Um, I have an uncle named Joel, by the way, He yeah. lives in Caracas. Joel. I think he died recently. Yeah. Anyways, uh, biggest fear. On my dad's side of the family, there's a lot of um, dementia. So my grandpa and my grandma both had severe dementia when they died. And watching them become babies, like they would, you know, had to wear nappies and couldn't feed themselves, couldn't remember anything, had to have draw wiped off their face. It was, I can't think of another word other than mortifying. It was like mortifying to watch. And I'm sure they also didn't really feel dignified either. Um, but they also weren't in a place to take their own lives if they wanted to because I don't think they just were mentally able to um or to make the decision that they wanted assistance dying mm. um because when you're in that state you just you can't make decisions for yourself so they just had to wait until their body gave up on them so my biggest fear obviously dementia has a genetic factor um is going down that road i i fuck i don't want to be around if i can't take care of myself um and i'm i don't want to die but i'm not scared of dying so i think by the time I'm what in my 80s or 90s or something like that, and my mind starts going. Hopefully, later for me than for them, because I'll stay, I'll stay active in my mind, continuing to learn, which will definitely help, and stay physically active and eating well. I won't drink and smoke, unlike them. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like I will be in a place, and the world will be in a place where assisted dying is uh, more accessible. So yeah, my biggest fear is turning into an old child, an old baby. <laughs> I would just fucking hate that so much. I would hate that. And I, I would feel like I'm taking up resources that could be given to other people.
1: Mm. My fear is you getting that.
0: I don't want you to look after <laughs> me either. Like, do ne- do not change my nappy. No. If I need nappies, please know. I'll
1: ask mum to do it. <laughs> she won't be around. Your mum?
0: <laughs> She'll be like, what, 140? <laughs> Yeah,
1: Um, yeah, it's a fair fear. I don't think I actually have a genuine fear.
0: It it drives me to keep my mind active, to like Mm. learn the piano or learn a new language or I don't know, stay involved in Mm
1: -hmm. reading
0: research and whatever. Like I, I feel like I can put that fear to good use.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't have a major fear. Like I live with some fear of Mm heights, depending on the situation. Like I'll happily bungee jump, but you won't get me walking across a thin in like fucking ladder or some shit on the side of a mountain with any kind of comfort whatsoever uh but other than that the fear of not knowing like something in front of a crowd that asked me questions is always something that i had but then i just realized that i'm not supposed to know everything so
0: and <laughs> you can just say i, and don't, I'm know. Just like, I don't know <laughs> i don't
1: know like that's fine i know some shit but not all of it you know <laughs> um so i'd probably just for me it's hot, but it's not a big fear
0: yeah, you really don't like heights. Actually, funnily enough, um, I don't love heights, but I'm not... It's come with age, by the way. W- wait, it's gotten worse as you've
1: gotten older? Yeah, I never remember it ever as a kid. I used to laugh at my mum for being scared to stand on a chair. Um,
0: Is your mum that scared of heights? Yeah,
1: yeah. She used to have real problems. And then we got her to walk over the Sydney Harbour Bridge.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: But... um. Yeah, I think with as my you know my rational brain became more and more mature, I went. This is fucking stupid. This but like, anything that anything where someone puts themselves in a situation they don't have to be in that has a risk profile of any sorts of death associated with heights is what gets me. So
0: this is why I'm worried traveling with you because I like to live life on the edge a little bit, quite literally. Mm. <laughs> and um,
1: yeah, unnecessary risk bothers me.
0: But it's fun. I feel like the closer you are to death, the more fun you're having.
1: Until like there's you such die. a
0: close relationship Until between. You die,
1: though then how fun was it oh
0: but look it's then a cal- it's a calculated risk no but sure but it's a calculated risk like death road in bolivia that mm. i rode down like a memory that i will have forever like mm. i cherry and it was really dangerous
1: But you could also ride on the closest side of the mountain which i did like i or you could ride on the outside of the mountain i'm saying like don't ride on the outside of the mountain
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i did a dangerous thing as safely as i could mm. yeah mm. There. Funnily enough, my boyfriend that I traveled with at the time, <gasps> I know I had a boyfriend before you. Then.
1: Oh, you didn't wear a white dress at that wedding, so I should have known. <laughs> I'm not pure.
0: <laughs> um, he was a bit like you in the sense that he had a low appetite for risk and handsome. And handsome and quite intelligent, too, <laughs> Dean. I have a type. Um, yeah, so when we did Death Road, I had to argue with him for hours to actually, like, go through with the booking that we made. And he was, like, right at the back of the group because I went with a group, and he was so slow, and he wouldn't, like, t- like, stand his butt up off the seat and actually, like, have some fun. He was just, like, glued to it. Anyways, I could imagine you doing it. Yeah, and I feel like I had to fucking babysit him so he didn't argue at <laughs> <in> the end.
1: <laughs> uh, on that note, mm. would you rather sniff the ass of Mr. Olympia or never compete again? You've never competed. So. Well, I have, but no, I, not for yeah. years, and I don't plan on doing it again. So this is
0: obviously for yeah.
1: you. I'm uh, not competing again.
0: Oh yeah? Yeah, it's not that. What's it's... wrong with sniffing the ass of Mr. Olympia? You just.
1: I don't want to get my nose up close, and I mean, I know James asked me if I'm really a man by not having a man, but I'm not into sniffing the ass of a man. It's really especially a very big man. I'm not into butts. Like it's
0: not my thing, but like
1: it's just a sniff. Yeah, but then how long is the sniff? How close do I have to get? Does it matter? You know, I just I don't I don't think I'm that into competing as to what I remember the R's in my in my in my face. <laughs> okay. You know, like the memory of not competing again would still be better than the memory of knowing that my my nose touched the date of
0: no one's I'm asking you of, to touch your yeah. nose to the date. I feel like Dean doesn't really mean that answer, whoever asked
1: it. No, I don't I don't really think I would. He would. I don't think so. Yeah, would. No. Nah. Next question. Um well, another person said, oh, no. oh, sorry, this was the question before there was a follow-up, but it was split. It said, if, you know, the two of us doing our thing, what else would we do if we weren't doing it? It said study and or follow career-wise. So we answered that. That's fine. Um, how Dude, did, you're really
0: good at this. How
1: did you get your head around <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: implementing, not implanting, as this person has written, <laughs> uh, RIR and training after training to failure? So like, how did you get around, like if you're used to training to failure, yeah. how did you then get your head around not training to failure and implementing Just stop higher? a couple of reps before that? That's exactly my answer. I'm like, <laughs> I found failure and then I realised that's not necessary so I just did one less.
0: Yeah, I don't know how else to answer that question other than just like
1: don't train to failure. I think you have to remove the emotional attachment with failure and success. That's the problem with failure-based training. So like people that are really, really into like say like a Jordan Peters, JP style the Yates style, like rah, one set is all you've got. They need to detach the emotion that they associate with that kind of training.
0: Okay. So um, maybe answering this from a mindset perspective, yeah. some people might feel like if they're not training to failure every set, they're not training hard enough. Mm-hmm. Perhaps what, what might be helpful is understanding the costs involved with training to failure every time and knowing that you're actually limiting yourself by doing that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can train longer both in the length of the mesocycle and the amount of sets you get through in a session if you don't train so damn hard.
0: I think uh, Jeff Nippard has a really great, I don't know, like eight minute YouTube video on training to failure that will uh, quite succinctly tie together why it's harming your
1: your gain. So have a
0: look at that on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a goodie. Slash Ruth, who edits our podcast, we'll put it in the show. Thanks, Thanks, Ruth.
1: Ruth. <laughs> uh, what is the most awkward situation you and Lizzie have found yourselves in? You're going to be in way more awkward situations than me. But like to like mutual. Well, mutually, I don't think we've really. I okay. This is kind of awkward. Go on. We had a kid-free wedding. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fuck. And my brother has a son, of which is obviously the my only nephew.
0: grandchild of your. He's parents. the
1: only grandchild of my parents. Yeah. And. I did not allow him to. Well, no, so that
0: he wasn't allowed. No children, children, including your brothers. He was
1: asked as an exemption, and we said no. It's a no child wedding. To be perfectly honest, it wasn't safe uh, because it was on open property. We had
0: friends traveling from different states, leaving their multiple children at home. So how would they feel if there was a child there? You
1: know, yeah, there was multiple children that couldn't come, but there was this uh, expectation that there would be an exemption, and I flat out said no. Uh, So that was awkward for a little bit.
0: Yeah, there was a bit of
1: there was a bit of to and fro from me slash and slash a
0: lot of oh and me yeah, and my brother I had know. some words too.
1: Yeah, so that was probably pretty awkward. Anything, but what about more oh, like a funny awkward? Uh, I've been caught once in a public bathroom toilet peeing and someone opening up the door. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I don't know
0: if that counts.
1: What do you mean? That's awkward as well. I hell. think we're
0: gonna skip over this one because I can't think we'd like there's never been any like mum walking in while we're doing the dirty or anything no. like that
1: no reuben yeah. Ruben hasn't done anything dodgy either. nothing really
0: i got really drunk at um a mutual friend's wedding when i was with dean and uh chris what's chris's last name he we went with chris chris morrison chris morrison and um i just look me and my mum have a really complicated relationship and i think i decided that night that i might have to distance myself from her and i was just feeling really lonely and i got drunk and um Burst out crying at the wedding in front of Chris. That was pretty embarrassing. That was
1: the same night the photographer thought you and he were together. That's
0: right. And he said, "Look, this camera will only flash if there's true love between the two of you." And like it flashed, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: then funny. he said, "Let me go get my boyfriend. <laughs> See
0: if we <laughs> okay. can test it." That's very funny. Uh, What's your what you Okay, um, what do you regret?
1: Hmm. Um, have you got one? Oh,
0: well, I have an answer but it's not really a situation. Go on then, let me think. I think that I regret putting way too much pressure on myself as a young child for not like having it all already. Like, bro, you're 25. Um, But there are plenty of things in my life that have caused me a lot of pain. And I could say, you know, I regret dating that person or I regret saying that thing. But I think all of those things that like maybe I could say I regret gosh, it sounds corny, like have made me who I am, but that's not really what I mean. I think they've strengthened me and like sharpened my priorities um, or or what I want out of life because I've been through those things. I know what my boundaries are now and I know like, you know, where I'll go and what I'll accept and
1: all Mm. that
0: stuff. So I don't have a lot of regrets because I think like from regret comes all of these cool things. Yeah, but maybe I regret not being kinder to myself, having more compassion for not being perfect. Still kind of working on that. Mm.
1: I regret not playing an individual sport as a kid. Okay. Although I'm probably I probably learned a lot playing a team sport. I think I'm better as an individual than I am in the team.
0: I always hated team sports because you have to rely on other people who aren't mm. reliable.
1: <laughs> yeah, that bothered me a lot.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: Um, that was what I hated about it. But but I think with my work ethic, I could have thrived better in a in a single single person single sport environment. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what sport that would have
0: been. Golf. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Nothing sticks out to you?
1: As to what sport? Yeah. Um, no, like I would never have been fast enough to be a sprinter at that level. Um, all the sports that I enjoyed were team sports. Or perhaps I would have had a role within the team sport that was a little bit different. Like, so like in NFL, good on, there's just a kicker. Like, I think I could have been a really good just a kicker. Like, that's an individual in a team environment. doesn't really have to do anything, you know? Okay.
0: Um, or uh, a goalie sure. in
1: soccer? No. Yeah, you could do that. That's true. But no, that definitely wasn't something okay. I was interested in. Nice. I don't want to be a bystander, you know? Next question. Then um, you've got to be a bit
0: faster with this. No one wants to listen to a podcast <laughs> if you're just scrolling through questions.
1: What are both of your biggest goals for 2022?
0: We, can we say about the better bodies? I uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so in the 10th of January, 2022, not to be too specific, this we are currently, okay. is it? oh yeah, it is too. <laughs> How cool. So on Dean's birthday next year, um, currently the team, not just Dean and I, but the other Flex Success coaches are working on a group program. Um, it's not a course. It's way more than a course, way more than just education. It's going to give you actionable steps. Uh, to start getting results straight away, working on mindset and hunger management, obviously nutrition and training, supplements, recovery. So we're working on this group program where we can take a group of dedicated people through um, for a personal transformation. Mm -hmm. So our biggest goal, I don't know, maybe I'm talking for both of us, Mm -hmm. my biggest goal for 2022 is kicking this awesome course off um, and continuing to improve it over time as we take more and more groups through.
1: Yeah, the cool thing about it is obviously I have the opportunity to help more people. Uh, and at a lower lower barrier to entry for them to come to us as well. Yeah, which is something that we've um we've always wanted to be able to do collectively as a group of coaches, and that's the best thing about this too is that you have access to all of us. So.
0: Yeah, well, we do a lot of um, education with our one on one clients, and a lot of the stuff we teach is sort of like the fundamentals of I don't know nutrition, habit change, hunger management, whatever. And we can teach it on a bigger level, and then also have room to discuss with people what their individual concerns and problems are and troubleshoot with them. Mm. So it's going to have kind of the best of both worlds. Everybody gets to learn together, but then also get the individual attention through asking questions. And, you know, we'll have group calls where we can talk about problems and stuff yeah. like that. So that's yeah, going to be cool. Yeah,
1: I think so. so. Keep an eye out for that bad boy. And I would say then on my behalf, because that's obviously an our behalf one. Well, yeah. It on. would be for us to kick off our um, travel.
0: Yeah. Obviously this trip.
1: So yeah. we, uh, have always wanted to and intend to and will uh, live mm-hmm. off the laptops in multiple different countries yep. over this a span of time. Um, and we we want to spend like three months and immerse ourselves in a city of a country before at moving. a time before moving to the next one and immersing into that one. So, so that we that'll kind of become a local and then, yeah. yeah so that'll kick off probably. yeah Early so 2022. Early. There's a
0: few barriers in the way, which is why we're not there now, but um, those barriers should pass. Mm. By early twenty twenty two. Okay, go next question
1: on me. Uh, I'll go. This is a mm-hmm. more of a fitnessy one. Mm-hmm. Would you manipulate your calories and macros if you're having an unusually low output week? For example, used to doing twenty thousand steps, but in this particular instance, they're doing seven thousand while attending a course. Oh
0: wow, that's a lot of steps twenty thousand.
1: Yeah. Um, for a week, I probably wouldn't. But that would depend on your goals. Like if your goals right now is maintenance, then no. If your goal is to continue losing fat. For whatever reason, then yes, you have to modify it accordingly to manage that output. Um, if your goal is to gain, then double win. But like seven days of eating slightly over is not going to do anything crazy. No, you know, knowing the size of this individual, we're probably talking like a difference of like 500 calories to 600 calories a day, okay. so it's significant. Yep, in difference in output, but like that's like maybe 500 grams of fat that week at best. Maybe so it's still fuck
0: depending on if the person <coughs> person's in a deficit or not. Um NEAT might increase as steps mm. go down. So they might fidget more, you know, walk around the room more, things like that. So maybe output actually doesn't go down as much as 13,000 steps, Yeah, you know, from 20 to 7.
1: Yeah, but the long and the short of it is I wouldn't be two-faced, unless you're in fat loss, of which you'll definitely have to account for it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might skip it for that one. How many steps is too many? Oh. That's a difficult question to answer uh Because it depends. So, I guess, okay, ha, where do we tackle this question from being? When we talk about training volume landmarks, hashtag Renaissance periodization, I currently am training at um, maintenance volume. So, I'm just trying to maintain the muscle mass that I've built. Therefore, I have a huge buffer between where I'm training and the amount I can recover from. So too many steps for me would be, I don't know, whatever makes my feet sore, like 25,000 steps a day, something like that. Um, But if somebody is training way closer to their maximum recoverable volume, meaning any more sets or exercise in what they're currently doing they won't be able to recover from, then there's way less of a margin for steps to go high. Mm. So that would be one consideration when thinking about how many steps are too many. Um,
1: Yeah. I would also say when the amount that you have to do each day starts to negatively impact your life in that you have to consciously and formally go out and chase steps all the time because you're at a constant step deficit based on just your general daily output, like your true need, you could probably do far more efficient output-based cardio um, so, like, you know, if you're used to doing seven thousand, and then you go to ten, and then you go to twelve, and then you go to fifteen, and then you're at twenty, and in order to hit twenty, you're doing two hours of walking,
0: and it's impacting your sleep and your food. Yeah, like time. you have to get up earlier yeah. or you
1: rush. Like that's too many, you know. Yeah. The idea of steps is based on the fact that we typically see output decrease during a diet phase, and you just regulate your steps to stop them from going backwards. Yeah. Not to necessarily use them as a means to drive. Caloric burn.
0: Yeah. Or to always do more and more and more and yeah. more.
1: Yeah. But my experience has been, unless this is in a contest prep scenario, unless you're naturally doing this amount, 15,000 per day seems to be about the top end, whereby I start to see people's fatigue accumulate greater than their recoverability.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And if somebody has an active job or they're chasing around multiple children or something like that, 10,000. 000- you should be able to get even without formally exercising. So 15,000 would just mean like one walk a day, right?
1: Yeah, which is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, but if
0: somebody has a desk job, their natural activity, you know, walking around the house from the bathroom to the fridge, something like that, over the course of a day might be between one and a half and Mm 3,000. So doing, asking them to do 15,000 steps, that's a lot of formal activity they're doing. So there's too many considerations to give a firm answer, but those are some considerations yeah yeah you want me to keep going or you go yeah
1: go for another one
0: do you ever secretly binge no okay you never have have you
1: no I've had moments I suppose post-comp where I've maybe had one extra like mouthful of something where I'm like oh just one more yeah you know where I think I probably need that but it's I've never eaten myself to the point of sickness other than one night but it was actually (laughs) supposed to have happened i
0: remember this night sushi yeah. train and then gelato
1: well it was a day of eating like it was after my first comp mm. it was four weeks post-comp we put my calories up my weight hadn't moved and my coach at the time just said go and try and eat as much food as you can this week and then see what happens so i did um and yeah i ended up having i wanted a drink because i was super thirsty because i was definitely dehydrated from the food today and instead of choosing an appropriate drink i ended up getting a sunday uh, not another sunday a milkshake And then the milkshake had two scoops of ice cream in it, which I'd already just had two scoops of ice cream. So I was way too full. I went straight to bed. I felt sick. Yeah.
0: We probably should define here overeating versus binging. Yeah. So overeating is conscious. You can stop at any time. You're just choosing not to. You're eating past the point of fullness. Whereas binging is associated with um, consuming at least half your daily calories. I hope I'm um, not miswording this in one sitting. Mm.
1: Um,
0: And, it's also associated with a loss of control, um, the guilt associated with it after. Some people even kind of have a brain fog, like they don't remember Everything that they did, it was sort of just a haze. They just ate.
1: Mm.
0: Um, so, so those are the differences. And it sounds like, Dean, what you did was intentional overeating.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah. You could have stopped at any time. You did it on purpose. You knew what you were doing. You weren't in any sort of like trance.
1: Yep. No, there were legitimately moments where I was like, I'm full and I'm not really hungry, but I've been told to eat some food. So yep. I'll stick to at least four meals today and just get it done. Not binging. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, my answer is very different. I never had problems with food as a kid but during my first ever comp prep, I was with a coach who had really good intentions, but he pushed clean eating um, and I didn't know anything about nutrition at the time either. I was, I was very young. Um, and I had these ideas of like good and bad foods and diet foods and weight gain foods and all this stuff. And I, I was so hyper-restricted that I did develop a binge eating disorder alongside orthorexia. Woohoo, fun combo. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I secretly binged a lot, which was hard because um, I got into good enough shape to get on stage and the binging started after. And because I didn't have the pressure of public humiliation anymore, which was getting on stage fat, um, yeah, I, I binged quite frequently, but I had developed this identity as this like lean fit person and everyone was giving me compliments and Liz, you look great. And then I became really embarrassed that I put on all this weight and I didn't want to go out in public anymore. And I was training at different gyms and baggy t-shirts and it was quite horrible. Um, But anyways, that experience (laughs) definitely helped me relate to my clients. Um, Definitely not a binge eating expert at all, but I do feel like I have some tools in my belt to help people through um dealing with with similar things yeah and it's been a long time since i've been it's been i don't know 10 years yeah
1: um
0: and it's not that i don't eat bad foods anymore it's that i do eat these foods but i don't think of them as bad and i have way more control and i can stop at any time um rarely do i even consciously overeat i just kind of eat to feelings of fullness or eat to calorie targets i eat chocolate most days but maybe like two squares or something like that yeah and it's fine. It's delicious. It's yum. I'm happy to stop. Like sometimes, if I'm dieting, like I want a bit more, but it doesn't yeah. feel like an emergency.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a tray for chocolate in our fridge.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: we do. It's filled with largely dark chocolate because that's the most delicious. No, it's not. That's a lie. It is. It depends.
0: Well, I prefer to eat dark chocolate because it's easier to stop at a couple Definitely of squares. Definitely
1: easier to stop for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think in the seven years we've been together.
0: Well, in, in January it'll be eight. eight. Years. Yeah.
1: That I've ever seen you overeat. It's probably true. Like you're always very well controlled, mm. um, and that's you know we we're, we're lucky, I suppose, in that we have I think the right environment set up, the right behaviours, the right thought process. Like I think it's like even when I d- I think oh this food's going to be pretty delicious, I always at least have somewhat of a conversation with myself before about what is enough. Yeah. You know, so like even for me right now, like I have an off-plan free meal to, to call it on a Saturday night which just basically means I don't track it and I eat kind of whatever I want. But I allow sort of a calorie allotment for it. But there's always a moment where the dessert comes around where I'm like, how many do I want tonight? How many am I allowing myself to have if I want them? And how much is too much? So it might be like, I have five cookies available to eat. I really think I only need three. But if I want five, can I have them? Yes. Uh, But will I have them? I don't know. Mm. And then usually I have three, maybe four. But I don't typically go for five unless i have really under that day. And then even then, it's still a conscious decision from a calorie perspective. Yeah, so it's not I should a probably eat these, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think having, you know, the ability to have those conversations beforehand makes it a little bit easier too.
0: For sure. And it's not that I have like super strong willpower or self-control. And that's why I haven't done it in tennis. It's not that at all. It's that I've changed how I think about food. And therefore, I just stop when I'm not hungry anymore. Or if I do have an indulgent meal, the next meal will just be veg and meat. Mm. like it's not about strong willpower and probably for you as well like sure willpower is a portion of it um but it's about removing the restriction so that you don't have this like oh i shouldn't it's my the only time i have to eat it and you know Mm. the floodgates are open it's like you know you can eat these things anytime
1: yeah it's it's a process Yeah, i often say that the advantage of flexible dieting and learning it is that it gives you the opportunity to make the choice should you wish Mm -hmm. to eat the food that you want under the parameters that you're set, like, you know, can you have one square versus two versus three? Um, it's not even often the fact that you, you do eat it. It's just that it's available. Yeah. And that to me makes uh, the dieting process a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. One from you? Um, don't I, had a, no, I had a question that was like out of the Australian bodybuilders that are currently in the scene, who are your top 10? I'm going to say no to answering this. really because like I have a lot of clients in this as well and I don't want to step on toes. Okay. Um, I think, you know. Uh, yeah, I just don't want to step on toes, so I won't step on toes. Uh, but I definitely got a fair few of them in my uh, group of people that I think will be pushing for the top spots in the bodybuilding community. What do you right mean now.
0: by that? I know what the term step on toes means, but can you give that some context?
1: I don't want, let's just say I have a client that thinks they may be a top three and then they're out of my top five. Uh-huh. I don't want them to feel like I don't think they're as good as what they think they are. Okay. Because I think having self-confidence is fantastic. Okay. Uh, I'm very honest with my clients, so if they ask asking me. As okay. to where I think they stand, okay. so I'll just save those conversations for them.
0: Guys, please ask Dean. This sounds like he's got some awkward things to tell people. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: I'm actually super fucking proud of a lot of my clients at the moment. I've got a couple that are have made some fucking crazy changes, and also that will stick it to the man. People that have been pushed and fucking prodded by the community and told that they're not good enough. Well, they're going to just say fuck you in like twenty odd weeks and say, "Well, check out what we've done."
0: I love that. Making lemonade out of lemons, hey? Mm. That's wicked.
1: <laughs> You're up.
0: Uh, What got you into nutrition coaching is the question.
1: Um, The need to eradicate sending individuals who asked for our advice to coaches that I couldn't trust would give the service that I know that we would.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's pretty much it for me. it's
0: a good wrap-up. I like it. Mm. Um, For me, it was I was a personal trainer for a really long time, almost 10 years, and my scope of practice as a personal trainer is – exercise believe it or not uh, personal trainers nowadays think they can do everything Um, some of them have qualifications in nutrition as well so maybe they can do both but anyways um, and I was not working outside of my scope of practice I was sticking with exercise with my clients and I was referring them to this person or that person or they were finding diets online themselves or whatever and not only did they either make no progress or slow progress a lot of them were being harmed in the process like developing disordered eating or I don't know, actually gaining weight or nutrient deficiencies because they were cutting out whole food groups or something like that. Uh, Or they were even just feeling socially isolated because their diet was so strict. And I knew that all of these things were unhelpful. So I got qualified, started working in nutrition, but also part of that is, you know, people start exercise because they think like that's the missing key to their weight loss or something like that. No, if you're still eating like an asshole, but you're still training hard, you're not going to lose weight. Mm. So um, I realized that there was so much more to the puzzle and that I should be working on the bigger picture. Um, so that's really what led me into nutrition coaching.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, Kind of similar to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, like it? that's that's the crux. Not the crux. That's that's the underlying reason as to why I got into it as well. Yeah. We it's knew we could do a better job. Every time that somebody asked me for help and I sent them to somebody, there were a select group of people that I could send them to that I trusted. Hmm. But a lot of the time I was like kind of uncertain. So. Did you figured, put your phone away because you don't
0: want to answer any more questions from uh, There's
1: probably three or four drug questions in there that I won't answer just because I don't think this is the, the time for it. Okay. Um, I'll answer them on my story and that was it. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, then I'll go one more. Yeah. What motto do you live by?
1: If in doubt, max it out. <laughs> that was my motto when I used to diet flexibly.
0: <laughs> I know. I, you know
1: <laughs> I'd, go, I'd go, I remember I'd be like at like say a bodybuilding show and I hadn't eaten much that day and I'd go out with friends to get some sushi and I'm like, fuck, like, how much calories have I got left? I don't know fuck it if in doubt max i
0: remember oh man if i had that motto but you really That's struggle gaining true. weight i don't
1: yeah i have i have really tight appetite regulation like homeostatically i guess you could say and that like my body doesn't want to be the weight that i am so mm. i have to forcibly make it that way
0: yeah you have to force feed yourself yeah. almost to stay this weight.
1: um yeah no i don't know do i have a motto um you know what motto i hate hmm?
0: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger I wholeheartedly disagree with that statement. I think mm. that there's some things like what, what I was talking about before, like things that I regret, like, you know, have, have cleared up my morals and priorities or whatever. So maybe in that sense. But there's so many things that don't kill you, that make you weaker. Like what about cancer? What about domestic violence that gives you PTSD? Mm. Like, oops. Like, you know, like there's so many things that you go through and you come out a fucking mess. Yeah. I just like don't I don't live by that motto.
1: What about just the tip is as just the tip is as dangerous as the full shaft?
0: <laughs> is this even a motto? Do you I'll, live by this I'll motto? I live
1: by that motto for sure. In fear of having children, that's my motto.
0: Okay, I think I've got one from the Minimalist Podcast. <laughs> Shout out to the boys at the Minimalist, Ryan and oh, what's the other guy's name?
1: And no, no, Ryan's a cool one too. So. I reckon the other guy should be called Jeff.
0: How okay. do I not remember their names? God, it's been a while since I've... Anyways, I remember one thing that they said. It was um, not enough is deprivation and too much is excess. And so we want... And it's a full stop. That's the end of their quote. So what I got from that is we want to be living somewhere between deprivation and excess. Um, and what we find... Maybe it's just my social circle, but maybe not. People have Mm. a million handbags and a million purses and these extravagant holidays and these huge muscles or whatever, but nothing's ever enough. And they're never happy, you know, so much money in the bank account, but they don't donate. Like they just, they hoard everything. They live in excess and they're miserable. Mm. And I think um, that people can adopt that quote, that not enough is deprivation and too much is excess because more than what you need, isn't going to make you any happier. So maybe, Don't work 80 hours and go put time into your family that thinks you don't love them. Yep. You know, like you're depriving your family, but you've got excess money. So stop working, go spend time with me. So I really like that motto.
1: That is good. It's almost as always, the answer is somewhere in the middle.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Maybe that's my motto. It
0: depends on somewhere in the middle.
1: Mm. Always live somewhere in the middle. That's my motto. I like it, Dean. Mm.
0: But really, you should always live on the coast because the beach is the best. Don't live in the middle of the country because Alice Springs is hot as fuck.
1: Yeah, I would never want to live anywhere where it takes me a long time to get out of there. Obviously, we're talking
0: it? metaphorically, yeah. so I'm just joking. Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah. I'm just saying now that we're on that topic.
0: Cool. Mm. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So
1: that's all the Q&A ones. Something we sharing? No, I have a question for you that I thought of. Okay. If you could remove one subject and add one subject or even change a subject in the school curriculum, what would it be?
0: Oh, instead of when I was in high school, we had to do religion or we could sit it out if our parents wrote a note and we could have study time in the library. I'd love to see morality taught instead of religion, but I'm not sure if that's actually happening. If it's not, that's my answer. Mm -hmm. If it is actually happening, I don't know what you would take out. I probably would take out religion, Um, but I would want to insert politics. I think politics is really important. I think people need to understand the system that they live in, what they're actually voting for. You're not voting for a person. You're voting for the policies of a party. The mm. People don't really matter. Um, yeah, I think what would I take out, though? Mm. I, I want to say drama, but I guess that's important. It just wasn't important to me. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's important to the right person. It's the same like arts and, you know, creative yeah. arts and woodwork and manual arts and that kind of stuff.
0: Well, maybe I would just make politics one of the electives along with woodwork. Oh, but no one would really do it because politics isn't yeah. sexy, is it? Fuck. I don't know what I'd take out, Dane, but I'd put in politics.
1: Mm. I would, as a person who gave zero fucks about politics, agree with you and that I would add it. And the reason why I would add it is because I gave zero fucks and know nothing about it. Yeah. It's so only since being exposed to it by yourself mm-hmm. uh, that I realised yeah. that it's really important to understand how shit fucking works if you want to actually make an informed choice on who you should be voting to help control or manage mm-hmm. our country. Manage our, our country. country. Or um, even
0: just shape your beliefs around, like, tax and the welfare system and, like, all these, like, public services that make such a huge difference to people's lives. Like, that homeless people aren't all just lazy bums. Like, maybe mm. they're a product of the system they live in. Like, it's so important to understand so that it changes how we behave and how we treat people.
1: Yeah, there's a class, of systems. Okay. And that systems could be around that, like, why does welfare exist? Mm-hmm. Why do we get taxed? Mm-hmm. You know, Where why, does our tax go? Why is there, you know, um, affirmative action for certain minority groups and not for others? Mm-hmm. You know, and politics could be in that as a part of the system of Australia. You know, like, That would be a fucking extremely valuable subject for kids to learn. Yeah. The thing that I would change, I think that mathematics should be more about how to manage money, budgeting, tax uh-huh. and accounting. Oh, I like it. And less about counting macros <laughs> yeah and, I can't, eh? and less about trigonometry and shit like that because i think that could be the advanced addition if you want to do that if you want to go down the mathematics sort of you know university degree pathway by all means
0: so that you think the math class at i don't know maybe grade eight or nine or ten could then shift off into how we can use these numbers practically
1: Yeah, well, i mean like right? in the real world what do you need to know how to do multiply divide Learn percentages.
0: Yeah, yeah. How a tax system works. But
1: that's just, not yeah. that many. That's not hard to learn. Everyone knows how to do a fucking percentage. Mm.
0: You know, like yeah.
1: Whereas, like, do we really need to know, like, how to do all the other shit? Well, I don't even remember it anymore. So, like, no. exactly. I baulked then because I went, "What else did I learn?" <laughs>
0: I love it. Actually, we were at a wedding recently. It was uh, Lockheed Lives Wedding. And a bunch of the trainers that I used to work with at Pano Fitness First, shout out to the Pano trainers, they were there um, along with my high school math teacher's daughter. Remember? Yes. Mr. Antoon's daughter. Mr. Antoon is probably my favorite teacher because I wasn't exactly the easiest student, Mm. I guess. Um, But Mr. Antune always got me, you know.
1: They're always good to have. Yeah. Every teacher got me. I was popular. You're an (laughs) awesome. I'm interested actually in my question that I just asked Liz. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it's been a bit different. Take a screenshot, tag us on IG, post it on your story, and tell us what subject you would add.
0: Yeah. What would you add to the high school curriculum?
1: Yeah. I definitely think it needs an overhaul, man. We don't do shit right. Well, we've done good.
0: Every system you know, I don't know, hospital systems, whatever, everything's changed so much. Like technology has changed, oh. but the school system is pretty much the fucking same for the last, I don't know, 100 years. Maybe we can't legally hit students anymore, but outside of that.
1: no <laughs> oh, suppose. Not getting <laughs> abused at school.
0: Oh, I remember my friend Brigida. she has asthma, and one of the teachers threw a duster at her, oh. um, <laughs> and she had an asthma attack, and the teacher still refused to apologise.
1: Wow. I know. Goddamn. I know. Yeah, um, something we're sharing.
0: Something we're sharing. You got something?
1: Oof. No. Okay.
0: I am reading a book, as always, uh, called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, mm. and it teaches ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is something the flex coaches and flex clients are not unfamiliar with because we use it in some of our um, mm-hmm. s- supportive services. I don't know what do yeah, you call not- it, our worksheets. When people are having a really hard time with, you know, particular thoughts affecting their behaviours, we can use this um, a particular technique from ACT. So we kind of teach like unhooking and Mm -hmm.
1: um,
0: and some other things. And so um, I'm really liking the book. It is refreshing my memory on some techniques because it's easy for us to get tangled up in our thoughts and to fuse with our thoughts and think, I am fat. No, I just had a thought that I was fat, mm. you know, um, or some people can't switch off their mind. Like the thoughts are at the front of their mind and kind of control them. And it teaches you how to make your random thoughts. We can't control them or get rid of them, but we can push them into the background so that they're not controlling us as much. Um, and so this book has been a really good refresher. I've still got a quarter left to go. I'm about three quarters of the way through it. Mm. But for anyone who thinks that maybe their thoughts are hooking them and um guiding their behaviours a little bit too much and you would like your thoughts to be background noise, give give uh, The Happiness Trap by Ross Harris a go. Yeah,
1: that's one. He's got some decent content on YouTube too.
0: He does. He's got great YouTube
1: yeah. content. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. What's after uh, something i was sharing? Would you rather? Yeah.
0: Oh, You want to ask me? Or, or it would me? be a
1: random question of some description. Let's
0: go would you rather.
1: And you want me to come up with it on the spot, the Mr. Not Creative. You want me to do it? Would you rather... Always have your eyelids turned inside out. Oh, my brother used to flip them inside out and I would hate it. Or uh-huh. have a gummy smile that is at least one centimetre in gum depth.
0: I'm going to go the gummy smile because I can imagine lots of eye infections and shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going the gummy smile. Yeah, cool. Okay.
1: What about would you rather... Always have a drippy nose uh-huh. or waxy ears. Whoa. And the waxy ears discharge. Gross. So like is some, it like there's, visible? There's, there's some drippage that you have to clean up a couple of times a day. I'm
0: going drippy nose.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: drippy nose. I think that the waxy ears would be less annoying but also less socially acceptable. Hmm. We okay. wouldn't. I feel like you and me might still be together if I had a constantly runny nose, super annoying, but like waxy ears, would you date a girl with a really gross waxy? I don't know if you've noticed
1: the waxy ears. Oh, you would.
0: Or maybe I'd have that hairstyle where my hair covers my ears. Sorry. I just like smashed my microphone with just, my fingernails.
1: Just wear a, um, uh, like a headband 24 seven.
0: Yeah. And I don't then know. you forget
1: to, to clean the waxy I'm ears. I'm still
0: going the nose. I think waxy ears are gross. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll wrap it up. So don't forget, take a screenshot, um, tag us with your answer. What would you add to the school curriculum Mm, or subject? Yeah, we'll change. Take Mm. out, add. And uh, we will see you in the next episode.
1: Peace, everyone. Bye.